Welcome to episode 121 of the Search with Canada podcast, recorded on Friday the 23rd of July 2021. My name is Mark Williams-Cook, and today I'm going to talk to you about Google search operators, how long we should be leaving 301 redirects in place, an interesting SEO split test around videos, and a little bit of news on the PBC side about the previously announced Target CPA and Target ROAS bidding strategies being sunset. Before we kick off, I would love to tell you this podcast is sponsored by the wonderful people at Sightbulb. Sightbulb, if you haven't heard of it, is a desktop-based SEO auditing tool for Windows and Mac. It's been around for a while now and it's really had a big impact on the SEO community. It's an incredible tool uh, for auditing your sites. They've recently released their newest version, which includes a really nice ability to check your core web vitals at scale. So before this, there was a few other ways you could do this, including using kind of command line interfaces to go through all of your pages, but Sitebulb takes care of all of this for you. Of course, we've got the page experience update still rolling out at the moment. So really good time to do this. With Sitebulb, you can just set it crawling your site and it will do these lab tests on every single page, group the results together for you and give you the feedback you need. If you're listening to this podcast, there's a special offer for Search with Candor listeners. If you go to sitebulb.com forward slash SWC, that's sitebulb.com forward slash SWC, you'll get an extended 60-day trial of the software. No need to put your credit card details or anything like that. So you're completely free to give it a go and see if you like it, which I'm sure you will. And that's sitebulb.com forward slash SWC. off with search operators they're something that have really interested me over the years of doing SEO and for those of you maybe you haven't used them or don't know search operators are the kind of commands you can put into Google to retrieve specific results so one of the most well-known ones for SEO is using site colon and then you can put in a, a domain or a specific page or a specific subfolder and what you're doing is then the the search term that comes after that you're limiting your Google search to that site or part of a subsite or a subdomain that you've specified. So it can be really useful. I've used it um, to do some real quick and dirty checks around if I've got duplicate pages or uh, cannibalization in content. And you can use them in combination. So there's other ones like in title, for instance. So you can search a whole uh, website or that specific site or domain for a specific phrase in a title, for instance. Uh, there's loads of interesting uh, site operators and, and lots you can use them for. And uh, Gary Ish did a tweet this week, so Gary from Google, in his typical uh, kind of fashion saying, if you don't have anything better to do, Lizzie Harvey and I just published a set of docs about how certain search operators, site cache related source image size work and also their limitations. Uh, and we'll put a link to this in the show notes at search.withcanda.co.uk, which will take you to this Google search operators guide. And 
It's mainly really some technical information about how they work and the kind of things they retrieve. Uh, it's not an exhaustive, exhaustive list of all the operators, but the reason I'm mentioning it in the podcast is there's a couple of bits that interested me there. So the thread that Gary posted on Twitter, which again, I'll also link to. Um, if you're an SEO that's kind of not on Twitter, it is a really good place to get uh, information and you'll learn a lot from the, the discussions that kind of go on, which is why, you know, if you listen to this podcast a while, you'll see a lot of actually the news we talk about comes from various conversations. Now, the the conversations here that interested me particularly were around people had gone off and read this guide that Gary had posted and they were then coming back with problems. So someone said, hey, Gary, can you please help with image size colon 1200 by 800 command? I tried, but it didn't return URLs with specified image size. And he says, I also tried this, da, 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 da. Am I doing it wrong? And Gary's reply is, you know, you're probably not doing anything wrong, but all the search operators are heavily affected by our system's retrieval limits. And on big sites, this is less visible. For example, he, he does the same image size uh, operator query on Wikipedia, and obviously you get loads of results. So what Gary's saying there, firstly, and what's actually highlighted at the top of this document, I'll read that first. So if you go and look at this overview of Google search operators, there's like a little blue box with a star in that's highlighted and it says, because search operators are bound by indexing and retrieval limits, the URL inspection tool in Search Console is more reliable for debugging purposes. So what they're trying to say is, especially if you've got a smaller, uh, maybe less popular website that isn't as well crawled and indexed by Google, that these commands aren't always going to return all the results. So if you're looking for um, specific things to debug, specific problems, specific things you're looking to optimize, it may be that they fall on some of the URLs that um, haven't been retrieved yet. So they're not going to come back by these operators. You know, these operators are still bound by what Google's crawling. So that's an interesting thing. And Google's recommending obviously use uh, Google Search Console there. It's actually a conversation that we've had a couple of times, I think now on the podcast, because the most interesting example, and I can't say this enough because every time I mention it, it seems to surprise some people, um, was when I've used the site colon command, and I said I know a lot of people use this, and I still use it for um, for some things in SEO. One thing I think lots of people have noticed over the years is that using that site colon command, you can't get a good idea of Google's search coverage so how many pages are indexed we've seen wildly fluctuating uh, numbers on the same site done in the same day or same week with that site command and certainly they don't add up to the kind of numbers we're seeing in search console so we know that you know if you've got access to search console it's definitely the best place to look at that index coverage and it can be helpful if you don't have access you know if you're looking at competitors to do those kind of commands to get a rough idea of the size uh, of the site or the size of the indexable site at least. But in some cases, it's way off. The most interesting thing, though, was I've seen people trying to use the site operator to work out if pages are or are not indexed. And something that I stumbled upon and we got confirmed 
uh, kindly by John Mueller at Google is that the site command will return pages that Google hasn't indexed or at least by hasn't indexed I mean is not going to return in regular searches. So I found this myself when we were having issues on a website where Google had decided to canonicalize pages um, where they were meant to be the canonical version but Google had said oh no actually we're gonna we're gonna pick this version and when you know this problem came about because the, the pages were never appearing in searches they weren't ranking the URLs were never there however when I did site commands I could easily find those URLs and we could confirm then if we went into search console and did an inspection of that URL that Google had said it's been crawled but no it's not indexed because we've decided it's a non-canonical URL and actually this had, when I looked into this even more I found several examples of this in Search Console where Google was saying a URL was not indexed and then we could go and do a site operator search on the site and we could find that page. So you have to be really, really careful when you use these operators that you understand uh, their limitations and you understand what they're used, what they're designed to be used for and therefore in the gaps what you should and should not be using them for or at least using them for with caveats as I said I still use it for a bunch of stuff um, and it is helpful uh, but that's one particular example that I know catches a lot of people out so again we'll link to the documentation have a read through it and um, just make sure you're happy with all of that definitely now deep into territory of news that I would define as very interesting to SEOs and possibly no other people on earth. Um, Gary East has been very busy this week on Twitter and has tweeted something else that I think is worth uh, sharing on the podcast about SEO which is he said hands up if you have asked us recently for how long you should keep redirects in place. I have a concrete answer now, at least one year, but try, and then he says in brackets, but try to keep them indefinitely if you can for your users. Okay, so I think this is this is really interesting and worth talking about for a few reasons. Previously, Google has not given us a concrete answer on this. The advice has always been leave 301 redirects indefinitely if you can forever, you know, as, as long as possible. And that makes sense. Firstly, from a Google point of view, whenever we're moving a page, if we're doing a permanent redirect, the ideal is normally that the new page will kind of inherit all of the signals, the link equity, whatever it is that made the other page rank and take its place and hopefully rank at least as well. There is, of course, the thought as well for users which is that if they click on old links that have not been updated, internal or, well, hopefully not internal, but probably internal, but certainly external, that they will end up in the correct place. Now, that, especially for small sites and in a um, small term, short term, medium term way of thinking, certainly presents no problems. Where it potentially presents problems and conversations I've had is when you're dealing with maybe a very large site you know in the hundreds of thousands of pages and redirects have been set up because maybe they did a, a whole replatforming 
um, or a rebrand. So we've got all these redirects set up and then a few years later, they go through a similar process, maybe a merger or something and or a rebrand and everything's moved again. And over the years, you're starting to get to the point where this redirect list is becoming huge, right? It's becoming millions of URLs. Um, and of course, whenever we do redirects, there's been ways that we can and can now that we couldn't previously optimize this. So going from date, maybe database driven redirects to redirects on the edge to looking at the most efficient way to write the rules to reduce latency. But this is what it comes back to, which is that, you know, very large sets of redirects not only give you kind of some technical um, debt, really some technical overhead to manage over the years, but also they can cause latency. Now, what's interesting about this kind of concrete answer from Google is they've been very specific that if now you've had this redirect in place for one year, at least one year, so URL A is redirecting to URL B, even if you remove that redirect, point it elsewhere, it doesn't matter. Whatever happens, those signals have been transferred, migrated, whatever you'd like to call it, to URL B. So nothing else from that point will change that, meaning you could, of course, delete the redirect. As, as Gary says at the end of the, his tweet, he said, but try keeping them indefinitely if you can for your users. So this kind of just adds maybe an additional step onto these larger, more complicated sites when it comes to redirects and the, the length of them, which is that it may be worth doing periodic scans of redirects that you know exist to see if they are still being used. So for instance, say we had 100,000 redirects and we scan them once a year and we found for 15,000 of those redirects, we have not had a single human visitor come through them um, in the last 12 months. I would say they're fairly good candidates then to just delete those redirects. You know, you're going to, um, you, you know, you're not going to lose anything from doing that visitor wise. We've been told now how the kind of algorithm is counting things that that benefit is transferred over. So there's no point in having this overhead. I think it's quite an interesting technical point, especially, you know, we can't take every single redirect with us over 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Um, I think it's a really interesting point for those bigger sites to have in your kind of toolbox to think about strategically. And while we're in the midpoint of the show, I would like to introduce our sponsor Wix, who has this update for you. URL customization on Wix is now available on product pages. You can now customize URL path prefixes or even create a flat URL structure if that floats your boat. Plus, Wix automatically takes care of creating 301 redirects for all impacted URLs. Full rollout coming soon. Also, fresh off the press, bot log reports. Get an easy understanding of how bots are crawling your site without any complicated setup right inside of Wix. There's so much more you can do with Wix. You can now add dynamic structured data, upload redirects in bulk, including error notification and warnings and fully customizable meta tags and the robots.txt file. 
You can get instant indexing of your homepage on Google, while a direct partnership with Google My Business lets you manage new and existing business listings right from the Wix dashboard. Visit wix.com forward slash SEO to learn more. Searchpilot have made it back onto the Search with Canda blog. We covered a interesting split test they did back in episode 70 about taking content out of tabs. And another one of their split tests caught my eye this week, which was around title tags. And I like it because it's counterintuitive, at least it was for me, and certainly based on their initial what do you think will happen poll, it looks like it was counterintuitive to a lot of people. So Searchpilot um, set up these SEO split tests and they they give a little bit of information about how they run these kind of case studies um, and they specifically look at their trying to detect changes in performance of variant pages they're making compared to a control uh, so that they know that the measured effect was not caused by seasonality, site-wide changes, Google algorithm updates, competitive changes, or other external impact. Uh, they use statistical analysis to compare the actual outcome to a forecast, and this comes with a confidence level, so they can be certain of how real the effect is, and it's not chance. Um, and they also measure the impact on organic traffic in order to capture changes to rankings and or the, the click-through rate. So some more information on that um, on their blog post. We'll link to it, of course, search.wakanda.co.uk. Uh, but this split test they did was around adding with video to title tags. So they ran a Twitter poll saying, on a publisher's website, we added with video to all of the article titles that contained a video within the post in the hopes of boosting the click-through rate. What impact do you think this change had on organic traffic? And of the answers, they had 69% say positive, they think would have a positive impact, 12.5% uh, said negative, and we had almost 19% saying it wouldn't make any difference. So obviously a vast majority there, uh, almost 70% thinking this would have a positive impact on click-through. And to be honest, I think that's what I, I would have said as well. Um, and basically, they found the opposite. So I'll just read through this case study uh, for you. So they said, having video content as a complement to article copy could be a great way to engage users and enhance their overall experience, particularly in industries where video content helps illustrate things like how-tos. So certainly, again, something we've talked about how Google, especially for those how-to terms, like surfacing video content uh, from places, of course, like YouTube, right at the top of the SERPs. One of our customers, a media brand, wanted to advertise this unique selling point in the search results by including in the title tag that the article had an accompanying video. We hypothesized that including a reference in the title to the fact that the article had both written and video content would make users more inclined to click through. We ran two iterations of this title test, one adding video and the next adding with video. Here's the first test, adding video and what it looked like in the search results. So they just give an example of saying, you know, how to knit a hat and then there's how to knit a hat brackets video. And the result of the test was 
basically significantly negative. So they hypothesized that perhaps when users read just video in brackets, they took this as a sign that the page was solely video content as opposed to a contextual video within other written copy on the page. I think it's a really good hypothesis to come up with because we know if Google kind of works out that people want video content or only video content that anyway they'll just plop video results right at the top of the page. So I think it's a really clever hypothesis they've made here. So with that in mind, they iterated upon the test and added with video to the title tag instead. In the second test, their hypothesis was that indicating that a video was included within the content and not the sole form of medium included on the page could encourage users to click through more often. Here's how the second test compared, uh, appeared in the results and of course, exactly the same, how to knit a hat, but and the, the variant has with video in brackets. And as we opened with, it actually had, again, a significantly negative impact on organic traffic. So this is indicating that the articles have an accompanying video directly in search results was not impactful in the way we had anticipated. This test is yet another example where testing a change we had a logical basis for led to a surprising result. In this case, it's possible that adding length to the middle of the title tag truncated the brand name or other more relevant keywords which could negatively impact CTR. It could also be that users landing from organic search for this particular industry place less value on video content than we thought, which may mean seeing that video in the title, even in the second iteration, deterred them from clicking through. Test results like this can reveal gaps we may have otherwise missed and give hints to what users are most drawn to. Um, in this case, it raises a bigger strategic question, does the outcome indicate that we may be better off making more written content instead of investing as much in video content? Of course, there are multiple factors at play that influence this kind of decision, but this information gained by running these experiments, we've given more direction than we previously had. I think that's a fantastic experiment because yes, it absolutely goes against the very general um, best practice of you know video good people like video, um, and I think both those um, both those thoughts that came after that second test, which is uh, that people might not want video, um, is quite interesting. They may prefer written content. Again, I think that's maybe hinted by the type of results Google's showing, but especially uh, sometimes I try and avoid video if I know there's a specific answer I want and I just want to be able to read it because I know it's going to be quicker than getting a video to load and then finding the correct place in that video if I can just control F on the page maybe. Um, so super interesting test by SearchPilot um, and again just highlights that importance of if you are making or planning to do site-wide changes on your content that you need to be testing them first. Back in episode 112, we started to cover some of the changes that Google was making to smart bidding. And I've got an update for you. So for those that are involved with PPC and especially Google Ads, yesterday on July the 22nd, Google has posted some updates on how smart bidding strategies are being organized. They have said, we previously announced changes to how smart bidding strategies are organized to help you choose the right one for your business. 
You'll now see the following choices when you create new bid strategies for search campaigns. So these new choices are one, maximize conversions will have an optional target CPA and two, maximize conversion value will have an optional target ROAS. In the next few weeks, you'll no longer have the option of using the old target CPA or target ROAS bid strategies for standard campaigns. Instead, use the updated bid strategies by setting optional targets. This update only applies to campaign level strategies, portfolio bid strategies will be updated next year. There will be no impact to bidding behavior due to this update. That's bolded. Use maximize conversions with a target CPA will have the same bidding behavior as target CPA. Likewise, using maximize conversion value with a target ROAS will have the same bidding behavior as target ROAS. And interestingly, they've, they've tailed off this post with all existing campaigns using target CPA or target ROAS will continue to run as usual. We'll give advance notice before automatically switching these old bid strategies to the new format in 2022. So we've got at least six months or so before this happens. This switch will not have any impact on bidding behavior. So not a huge change, but they've provided um, this quite useful table, which I'd review if you're managing these campaigns, which lists all of the performance goals. So something like maximize conversions within a set budget is the performance goal. They name what the old bidding strategy would have been for that. So in this case, maximize conversions. And then they list what the updated equivalent bid strategy is. So in this case, it's maximize conversions, but no target CPA specified. So I'd go through that list. Um, just make sure you're aware of those tweaks. Uh, again, we'll post a link at search.withcanda.co.uk. And that's everything we've got time for in this episode. Thank you for listening. I'll be back, of course, in one week's time, as always, with episode 122 on Monday, the 2nd of August, racing through the year. I hope you've been enjoying the podcast. Please do tell a friend about it, subscribe, share it if you like it, and I hope you all have a lovely week. Music.